Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us here at the Jim and D podcast. This is Jim over here, and... Hello, this is Dee. <laughs> and so uh, we're going to do something new now. We're going we're gonna to have a long series. We're going to uh, do a series on The Selfish Giant. The Selfish Giant is a rock opera that we wrote and recorded a few years back. And uh, we thought it'd be fun to explain to everybody how the songs came about and, and uh, whatever the history was to each song, as well as a history about uh, the guy who wrote the original story, which was Oscar Wilde. And so to tell you a little bit about Oscar Wilde, we've prepared a few notes, and uh, we'll, we'll read those to you, and then we'll get into the story of the selfish giant. So let me let me start. No, wait, who's start? you going to start off? Yeah, I think yeah. I started off. Born on October 16, 1854 in Dublin, author, playwright, and poet Oscar Wilde was a popular literary figure in the late Victorian England, known for his brilliant wit, flamboyant style, an infamous imprisonment for homosexuality. After graduating from Oxford University, he lectured as a poet, an art critic, and a leading proponent for the principles of an art movement known as aestheticism. The Picture of Dorian Gray was his only novel and was panned as immoral by Victorian critics, but is now considered one of his most notable works. As a dramatist, many of Wilde's plays were well-received. Beginning in 1888, while he was still serving as editor of Ladies' World, Wilde entered a seven-year period of furious creativity during which he produced nearly all of his great literary works. In 1888, Wilde published The Happy Prince and Other Tales, a collection of children's stories. Wilde's first play, Lady Windermere's Fan, opened in February 1892 to widespread popularity and critical acclaim, encouraging Wilde to adopt playwriting as his primary literary form. In 1895, he published The Importance of Being Earnest, his most famous play. Wilde died of meningitis on November 30, 1900, at the age of 46. The picture of Dorian Gray and his play The Importance of Being Earnest are considered among the great literary masterpieces of the late Victorian period. Wilde converted to Catholicism during his final illness. Robert Ross gave a clear and unambiguous account. When I went for the priest to come to his deathbed, he was quite conscious and raised his hand in response to questions and satisfied the priest, Father Cuthbert Dunn of the Passionists. It was the morning before he died, and for about three hours he understood what was going on, and he was given the last sacrament. The Passionist House in Avenue Hoche has a house journal which contains a record written by Dunn, of his having received Wilde into full communion with the church. While Wilde's conversion may have come as a surprise, he had long maintained an interest in the Catholic Church, having met with Pope Pius IX in 1877 and describing the Roman Catholic Church as, for saints and sinners alone, for respectable people the Anglican Church will do. In his poem, Ballad of Reading Jail, Wilde wrote, Ah, happy they whose hearts can break and peace of pardon win. How else may man make straight his plan and cleanse his soul from sin? How else but through a broken heart may Lord Christ enter in? Yeah, so that's that's what we know about Oscar Wilde and his work. Um, in, the, in the one that was mentioned called The Happy Prince and Other Stories, there was this story called The Selfish Giant. And we first heard that in um, 
We first became aware of that story in 1977, you think? Yeah, I believe so. What do you remember? So about I'm that? a little foggy on some of those years in there, but I. Yeah, it's it, only about 40 years ago, so. <laughs> you know, the uh, the sequence of events, but I I know that we were uh, struck by the story the first time we ever uh, were presented with it, and uh, and I believe that it was in 1977 while we we're still in the Agape Force at the very tail end of our time with Agape Force, we we're on a team in Houston. And uh, we met a young couple, um, and he had a reel-to-reel, like, 16-millimeter or something. <laughs> well, he first of all, he I don't remember how we met him, but he was an animator and uh, and a Christian guy, and he told us about this, and he had and he did have an open reel, a 16-millimeter uh, copy, which he may have gotten from the library or it may have been his, I don't know, and then he had a 16-millimeter projector. Anybody who wants to know what that is, you'll have to go back and look that up for yourself. <laughs> it was it was before we had VHS uh, or or DVDs or Blu-rays or anything like that. It was uh, it was an actual film, and we went over to his house to watch it. Was he involved in the project? No, no, no. I don't it think was so. just no. something that he liked. He just liked it because he was a Christian and an animator. Yeah. Um, well, I remember going over to the house and watching it. Um, and I remember we took our two-year-old daughter with us. Uh, her she name is been, She would have been three by then. Okay. Well, three years old. <laughs> and uh, I remember that he and his wife had didn't have any children. And I don't know how long they'd been married. But uh, after we had visited, uh, the next time we talked to him, he said, you know, we weren't going to have any children but um, just because of our experience with other people and, and other the behavior kids. of their children, <laughs> said, I want you to know that we've changed our minds about having children now <laughs> after spending time with the, with you and your daughter. And uh, she was so um, well behaved. And so <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah. we were we were having that. That wasn't the only time that something like that happened. We we actually on several occasions we were. Um, having babies evangelists. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so we 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 found the story at that point, and and uh, I think not too long after, we started looking for the story. Of course, there was no internet to look for them, and uh, we eventually found a collection in a bookstore uh, by Oscar Wilde of, of fairy tales, which he had written quite a few, and there are other really neat stories in there too. Uh, but it had the story of the selfish giant. And uh, we just kind of hid it away in our hearts, and we decided one day we wanted to write a rock opera based on on that story. Uh, the, the most famous rock opera for us was Tommy by The Who, and uh, me and a friend of mine uh, by the name of Chuck Surface has, had decided after we heard Tommy, we were going to write a rock opera about the life of Jesus, <clears throat> and that was in 1969. We got about three songs in, and then... And then uh, a rock opera was released called Jesus Christ Superstar. We just said, no, well, no. never mind. <laughs> I guess we don't need to do that one. But we wanted to do this one, and we put it on the back burner. And uh, somewhere in the, probably in the mid to, to late 90s, uh, we wrote, I think, maybe three, the first three songs. And uh, we sang them a few times in concerts and, and uh, you know, gigs that we had. Uh, but we just didn't. Didn't get around to working on it until mm, 2000-something, until later. And and then, what do you remember then? It was 2001. When we started writing? Mm -hmm. okay. Because I remember we went, I actually 
we sat down and decided we wanted to do that project and we wanted to focus on that project as a, you know, as an introduction to our body of work. Um, and we wanted that to be important. So I remember that we um, made the decision and I went and that's when I went to work for Mercy Ships mm. uh, in August, <clears throat> late August, mid-August of um, 2001. And uh, that's when we started work. You went into the studio and started working on the yeah. So and so the way, the way we kind of did it was uh, not. I don't know if we've ever. Yeah, we. I think I can think of one project where we kind of worked this way before. Uh, normally, when we're just writing songs, we get together and uh, one of us has an idea of some sort, and then we put start putting our heads together and come up with something or other. But this one, uh, since D was working full time, we had to come up with another approach, and. Uh, that was basically she would write uh, some lyrics. Is that right? You would write some lyrics and give them to me, and I might edit them or whatever. And, right. And, and since we're working from someone else's story, we really like the story, oh, yeah. the way it was written. And so we had to try to find a way to, um, to just tell it in opera form. So we took the story and sat down together, and we broke it up. Thought for thought. Oh, yeah, I remember we had that book that we scribbled in. Right, and it, these sections. And our copy of The Happy Prince, The Selfish Giant, and other stories are um, The Selfish Giant is all, it's got scribbled brackets on. and yeah. scribbles all over it. <laughs> and so I would take the next, whatever you were working on, we had the first three songs. So oh, that's while, right. while that's you're right. working on the first three songs, I took um, song number four. Um, or, or the the part of the story that right. we had de designated would be song number four, and I started kind of brooding on that and and uh, turning in that that story bit into a song. Which you're right, we had done that already with the first three sections mm -hmm. because those are the parts we would sing when we travel. And we wanted to be true. We wanted to take um, the author's actual words and incorporate them. Um, into the song, we we did take liberties, and you know, in songs, especially in rock and roll songs, there's a lot of repetition and hooks and things, and so we, um, but we tried to stay true to the author's words as much as we possibly could. Yeah, because could. we really liked the story, we liked it the way it was, and I had seen other people uh, take things and and change them around and make them unrecognizable, and we didn't want to do that. The truth is, by the time I remember, after we were done uh, and we had put put the the record out. I remember uh, people writing comments on on YouTube about how we had changed the story to try to make it a religious story and all this. And uh, I couldn't figure out why people would think that uh, until we went looking online. And we found that there are lots of people who have, in fact, rewritten the story and changed it from the way it was originally. Uh, we, on the other hand, did our best to stay as true as we could. We just, in fact, uh, we just found one today. While we were um, doing this research on Oscar Wilde, uh, where someone took the story and rewrote it and made it, um, I guess they had a storybook or something, and they, they made it into a storybook, and then on the, on the YouTube video, they showed the storybook pictures and read it. Um, it didn't change it radically, but he did change it. He changed the language and left out bits here and there. So we tried not to change it. We tried to leave it as it was because we thought it was a great story. Yeah. And, and so that's how we went. I would give Jim the next bunch of lyrics. And then sometimes he would like them the way we were. Sometimes, you know, we'd have to go back to the drawing board. And when we came up with lyrics and I, he locked himself away in the studio 
And um, sometimes, I mean, as always, sometimes I would come up with a, a musical motif or a, or a melodic idea, but um, it was always so much more amazing after he got done with it in the studio. Well, the challenge for me is always to try to make the music, the mood of the music match the lyrics. Uh, which is kind of funny when we sing oldies because <laughs> a lot of times the, the songs didn't do that. Uh, I've noticed that with a lot of old Everly Brothers songs. Uh, you hear a song like Bye Bye Love. It's about a guy whose girl left him. And it's one of the most up-tempo. Bye Bye Love. You know, it's all up-tempo. <laughs> so sometimes music doesn't match the lyrics, um, which I could understand in in some cases if you're doing something a little satirical or something. But, we, but you know, I would try to make the, ma- the music match um, match the, the the mood of of the lyrics, and uh, one of the things I noticed when I was all done. Now it took us three years to write and record this. Uh, we weren't obviously we weren't at that time we weren't doing music full time. Uh, there was a time when we had people living in our house that made it really tough uh, to even be able to get into the studio and have enough quiet to work and stuff. But over that three year period, we did it. And I, one of the things I noticed, I didn't notice till later, was how my uh, production and arrangement skills changed as we went along. I listened to the very first song now, and it's uh, it's it's kind of just almost like a almost like a simple blues rock kind of thing. And then when we get farther on, I I was learning my software, I was learning my synthesizer things, and I was learning how to 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 use all that together. And uh, so the production values changed. And then it was funny because then I went back. I'm listening to Tommy, and I noticed the same thing. Uh, I don't know how long it took the Who to record Tommy, but I noticed the, the production, uh, the production level changing as as that went along. So uh, that's all right. I guess I'm in good company with Pete Townsend. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered something. I remembered that one of my homework projects, as we were gearing up to do this, to write this, was for me to go back and closely listen oh, yeah. to to several rock operas. Right. And one thing I noticed about about the rock operas was that unless you knew the story already, it was sometimes very hard to tell what was going on. Right. You, you know, you could you would get scenes that you know, like in a musical, but the you couldn't follow the story really without having the story written out for you. Yeah, I, re- I remember. You know, of course, uh, Tommy. And Jesus Christ Superstar both had librettos. A libretto is basically the lyrics for, for for the album. And of course, in an opera, there's no narration. It's all it's all told in song. And I remember that reading uh, as a as a teenager, late teens, uh, you know, reading articles where uh, some of the idea of the story behind Tommy came out in articles. And you would then you'd go back and listen. Oh, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense because uh, it was a little bit. Uh, what's the word vague i don't know right it, uh, was, it was kind of you listening to the opera didn't actually tell you the story or story in a linear way um so that was you know i came away from that going no that's i really want people to when who listen to the selfish giant to um to come away with the story so we're going to do that for the next... Now, this has been kind of long-winded. I don't expect uh, every episode to be this long. Um, but we're going to try to go week by week playing each song in order. And uh, where appropriate, we'll we'll try and tell you a little bit uh, what the history was or, or the um, 
the story behind the song, if there is one. The trivia. Yeah, the trivia, <laughs> if there's any that goes along with it. And uh, if you haven't listened to it, uh, we encourage you to, to get a chance to listen to it. You can find it. Uh, you can find it on iTunes. You can get it at Amazon. Uh, or if you just want to listen online, you can find it on YouTube. I put it up on YouTube. It's really important to have the lyrics. Um, that's why there's a libretto. And in our case, there was only me to do all the male parts. And then there was Dee and our daughters, Elfin and Bree, to sing other characters' parts. And so you have to have the, the libretto to tell <laughs> who's singing which part, which is not unusual. I mean, the, the Who only had four guys to do all their parts, and they had the same thing. You had to follow along to see which character was singing which part. So when I finished the whole project, uh, I knew I had to do what's called an overture. And so I didn't know if there were rules about the way uh, overtures were supposed to be, but an overture is basically a song that goes at the beginning of the play or the opera, and it uh, it uses little bits of several of the songs uh, to give you. Uh, uh, well, I don't. I'm not sure why they're at the beginning because it, when I, I remember when I first finished it and I listened through the whole thing, um, and then then I played the overture. The overture made sense, but the overture didn't make sense till I knew the songs. But you know, there are overtures. There are songs that you might be familiar with. Any of the, the old enough to remember the TV show The Lone Ranger, they used the William Tell overture, and uh, that's just little bits of the opera uh, done instrumentally and strung together. As I don't know, I couldn't find anything about really any rules about how we're doing it. I read some of how the first ones were done and so on, but. Uh, I figured the best thing to do is just do what I felt like because that seemed to be what everybody else did. So the first one we're going to play for you this week is going to be the overture. The overture is uh, an instrumental um, mashup, maybe mm -hmm. they might call it today. I don't know. It's a collection of the musical motifs from from the from the rock opera. And uh, we're going to play that for you now. So here it is. The overture from The Selfish Giant.
There you have it. Once you've listened to the entire rock opera, then you go back and listen to the overture, and it'll it'll make more sense to you. It'll sound uh, it'll it'll remind you of different parts of the of the story. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention was that we didn't release this as a Jim and D uh, project for a couple of reasons. Um, the primary one was because it's not uh, it's not overt, uh, overtly religious, and we didn't really want it to be thought of as a quote unquote Christian album but rather uh, a tool uh, that perhaps Christians could use or that the Holy Spirit could use in any way he, he sees fit by uh, getting this to people who are fans of Oscar Wilde or fans of The Selfish Giant. And uh, so we wanted to release it under the band name. Now, um, we had I was in the studio for, and I'm sure we've told this story before, but we were in the studio for like, I was in the studio for like three years working on this. And when I was done... Um, I just said to DSA, I got to get out. I got to get out and play in front of people. I'm just, I'm just going crazy here, just sitting in the studio for three years. So we went out and started singing uh, at local places, little coffee places and coffee houses and things. And uh, we did that once or twice. And then our youngest daughter, Bree, wanted to sing with us. And so she came and sang with us. And then, and then her sister, Elfin, wanted to come. So she started singing with us. So. <clears throat> They had been singing with us, obviously, on the album, so um, they were both singers already. Um, but then, uh, so then even to put it out as Jim and Dee would have been kind of weird anyway, uh, because uh, the we've had all the other singers, both of them, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other singers. And um, so um, we started singing together around locally here in, in East Texas, and we began singing as Things went on. We just started singing old oldies from the 50s and 60s and cover tunes. And uh, that's when we ran into the problem of, of calling ourselves Jim and D. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened in kind of a funny way. We, um, You know, when the girls started singing with us, it, you know, there were... We knew we couldn't just be called Jim and D anymore. Um, and, and they were pretty vocal about that. <laughs> And it was so much fun singing with them, and we wanted to. Uh, it looked like things were gonna to start, you know, picking up, and we were gonna get a lot of opportunities to to sing. We got to sing at some uh, like outdoors uh, art festivals, kind of things. Well, and we started we started doing a lot of gigs. I think one year we did about two hundred gigs with them. So they were they were obviously a very serious part of this, but um, right. And so we uh, started looking for a name, and we pretty much turned them loose. Um, we had veto. Uh, I said, power. yeah. I, I told him, I said, look, you guys come up with a name then, uh, as, and as long as we can uh, get the domain name so that we can have a website, we'll, we'll, we'll be pretty good with that. Actually, it wasn't just us. We had our, You and I were thinking of names. They were thinking of names. We had other people suggesting names, and then we just kind of got together with the girls and started sifting through all the, the uh, suggestions. Right. And there were lots of suggestions, and we spent several weeks coming up with everybody coming up with all the names they could think of, especially the girls. They spent much more time on it. Um, there's a couple of reject names that I remember. Like what? Um, like Jimmy V and the California Girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and there were some that we liked a lot, and but we between the we we kind of just fell into this thing where we all wanted to like it. We didn't want anyone to just say, okay, whatever. Uh, 
So we were sitting around one day and uh, struggling with this thing. And Elfin actually said something like, well, I have an idea, but I, I, think, her, I think her and Bree both came up with it, but they hadn't mentioned it. Yeah, well, and she said, "You guys, are, I don't think you guys are going to like this, but I have an idea. And uh, we said, what? She said, Bongo and the Point. And instantly we knew what that meant, although <laughs> no one in the wo- else in the world did besides us four. So we gave it two thumbs up right and there. And so we, we said, no, we love that. And... Uh, and so that's what we picked right off the bat. Now, I don't know if Jim wants to chime in here, but um, when the well, girls... Yeah, I can because I was the bus driver. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when we were uh, in, in, I guess it would have been 1988, I guess, uh, we were trying to survive in Southern California. Uh, and it's very expensive and hard to live there unless you have two people working full time. And we were still trying to do some of our creative stuff. So um, we basically we had a new van, a new minivan, and we traded our new minivan for a converted city bus, a bus that had been made into a, a, a motorhome. And uh, we, we decided we were going to live in this motorhome. Well, to do that, we had to get rid of almost everything in the house. And one of the things that we didn't, di- didn't want to get rid of and didn't get rid of was all the VHS tapes. But as of the last month of our, when we gave notice or whatever, we started... Uh, just taping everything we could off the VHS, you know, from the Disney Channel, all the kind of things that the kids would want to watch. And uh, so, <laughs> so... Well, we, we knew there wouldn't be TV, right. um, like broadcast TV, and, and uh, there wouldn't be cable. So um, watching taped things was pretty much the only option back then. And so we, we, we rented a storage space to put the, the few items that we didn't uh, get rid of out of our house. Books, and, that was the other one. Yeah, books was another one we didn't want to get rid of. So in the storage place, I built shelves, and we put, I don't know, we must have had a couple hundred VHS tapes, and a lot of them had two or three things on them. I don't know if you remember a VHS, you could tape it at two, four, or six hours. A lot of them were taped at the six hours, so they might have two, three, four different things on the tape. And one of them, uh, I think we still have it because we kept it as a memento, and I don't remember what I made a catalog. I made a catalog. I cataloged all the tapes and made a, a, a catalog so they would know which ones they want to get, and they could go and they were all numbered on the edges. And one of them, let's say it was number two sixteen. I don't know what number it was, but uh, I think it might have been number thirty two. Okay, number thirty two <laughs> uh, said on the side, "Bongo, the point." Those were two shows. Bongo was a story from a Disney film about uh, a, a circus bear. He was a circus bear who rode a, rode a unicycle and juggled. And uh, while traveling on the train with the circus, uh, the bars opened or something, and he fell out, and he had, he had to learn to survive out in the wild. The other one was a story called The Point, which was based on an album by Harry Nilsson called The Point, um, you may have remembered, some of you may remember the, the hit song from, from that album, which got all the radio play. It was Me and My Arrow. Me and my arrow. Straight off the narrow. Anyway, so that was from The Point. And so those two were on there. And that was one that they, they would have to, what they had to do is they had one grocery bag full of tapes in the bus. And then two weeks we would move. We had to move every two weeks. And they would take that that bag back and get another bag full and bongo on the point ended up being in the in the bus a lot 
And that's how they referred to that VHS tape as Bongo and the Point. <laughs> so, and so we said, yeah, we loved it. We got the domain name and we, we put that name on the, on the album for the Selfish Giant. And to this day, people still love to, they love the story about how we got it. And they just like the name. It's a great name. So uh, that's, that's the other thing we wanted to mention. Anything else? Nothing comes to mind if we, if we want to have anything to say for the next 29 weeks or 28 okay. weeks. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, we'll keep them shorter after this. But we had to get, tell you about Oscar Wilde and about the, the process of beginning on The Selfish Giant. Today, you've heard the overture. Next week, we'll hear the first song called On My Way. Well, that's it. See you later. All right. Bye now. Bye. <laughs>